0: Welcome to Religion for Life, a program at the intersection of religion and public life and religion and social justice. Religion for Life is a co-production of WETS on the campus of East Tennessee State University and WEHC on the campus of Emory & Henry College. I'm John Shuck, the minister of the First Presbyterian Church of Elizabethton, Tennessee. A hot-button issue facing the nation and the church is the issue of marriage for same-sex couples. Proponents see this as simple marriage equality. At the time of this broadcast, eight states have legalized same-gender marriage. More are considering legislation to make same-gender marriage legal. It makes for exciting skirmishes in the church as well. What do religious clergy do when asked by same-gender couples to marry them in states where it is legal? Marriage and pastoral care for same-gender couples is today's topic. My guest is Reverend Jane Adam Sparr. Reverend Sparr is a Presbyterian Church USA minister. On February 21, 2012, the General Assembly Permanent Judicial Commission, that's the Presbyterian Church equivalent of the U.S. Supreme Court, by a vote of 9 to 6, upheld a lower court's rebuke of Reverend Sparr. She lost her appeal, her crime... She officiated at weddings for 16 same-sex couples in California during that window of time in 2008 when same-gender marriage was legal in California. She's on the phone with me from her home in San Francisco, California, to talk about that case, about her ministry with sexual and gender minorities, and about her own story as a minister who is also a lesbian. Welcome Reverend Spar.
1: Thank you, John, so much for having me.
0: Well, I'm so glad you are here, and it has been quite a journey. Uh, 2008 was when you officiated at these weddings, now it's 2012. How are you feeling?
1: Well, you know, John, these were wonderful friends of mine, Uh, so many of the couples that I knew, many uh, I've known for over 25 years, and to have seen their children grow and to be a part of their lives, and then to be asked to be a part, many, some I had done, commitment services and holy unions, and then when the time came to be legal here in California, you can only imagine the celebration of that. So some of them, I was with them when they, their children were born, you know, I mean, it was mm-hmm. just some of the most amazing experiences. Uh, Sarah and Sherry, which, who were the first case, Sarah Taylor and Sherry Holmes, were a couple I've known over 20 years, and I buried uh, Sherry's dad and Sarah's father and i also was with them when uh, their sister died when sherry's sister died i saw katrina their daughter grow and is now an adult and so you can imagine um when when that when i was told that there was a complaint against me you know john i called the person who made the complaint and i asked him did he know sarah and sherry Mm -hmm. And he said, no, he didn't. And I said, well, they are not only people that have done great work to um, stop the prejudice against lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender people, but they have won awards for doing work on race and on gender. They're just amazing people. And I said, I asked him, I said, why didn't you call me first and ask me? And I think, John, that's... That's one of the things I'm most concerned about, is that um, a person can make a complaint, but I thought, you know, isn't it that we're supposed to call one another and say, tell me about this, What what's going on, Janie, why why did you do that, who are Sarah and Cherry?" But I got none of that, and I think that's a sadness for me, and that's happened before.
0: Right, it makes it just uh, a legalistic kind of thing rather than a yeah. personal. Yeah, yeah. Now these weddings, when you officiated at them, and when you signed the marriage licenses, were legal in California right. at the time, and they're and they're still legal marriages. Is that right?
1: Yes, they are. There's, they say there are eighteen thousand still legal marriages down in that window of time. Actually, at uh, the statement, I think was made in in May, but then started I think like June seventeenth to November third or fourth.
0: And so right, that, that didn't never, have any effect of your, uh, with this thing with the court that about about their legality. No, and
1: and and, and in fact, um, you know, not only are they legal and so on, but again, that you saw that of course, Proposition Eight has been struck down, and and uh, so we see what happens in the yeah, court well, in the next
0: Yeah. Well, when, few when will uh, is that? So the story is is that California could legalize these marriages again.
1: Yes. Yes, they could. And when that will be, I don't know.
0: Yet the Presbyterian Church Court ruled that you, uh, quote, violated the church's constitution and your ordination vows. It it would seem to me that uh, marriages are part of the job, our job as a minister. You did what you were supposed to do, didn't you?
1: Well, the thing is, too, John, you know, my work, um, my ministry was, in quotes, it was a call go into the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender community and to be there and to create... One of the things in 1978 was to do dialogue and create reconciliation uh, with lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender folks and the church. And so needless to say, John, I've been doing this a long, long time and right. have been in this community for such a long time. And um, to know these amazing people and to think that there now are cases against us, like you say, for doing the right thing. And for me, um, these marriages, you know, this is what I do, John. This is what I say to people. What are we doing? I say, I don't care what your sexual orientation is. Where I think the church can be most helpful is, how can we support you to have a healthy, loving, committed relationship? What can we do to help you do that? And when this case then comes up with these wonderful people who I've married, and, you know, eight of the 16 couples were there, John and San Antonio, and we had wonderful worship services in several churches there. These couples were buoyed up because you can imagine now, this is another no for them. right? And I think that's, that's a tremendous sadness for me because, again, it says no, and in saying no, I just don't know if people understand what a no means. It relegates, then, relationships to second class or less than. And and what I say to the Church, when we relegate relationships or people to second class or less than, what happens? We become complicit with violence, and John, I have seen terrible violence done to lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender people Mm -hmm. in the name of the Church. And this is what we must stop. We must stop this violence that happens when people say, well, you're bad or you're dirty, whatever. And I I always say the same words that are used against lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender people were the same words that were used against women many years ago to keep women out of the clergy. So we've got to look at our stuff. We've got to understand what sexuality and spirituality are and what a gift this is that we are given and how we live out that gift should be the first place. The church should be the first place.
0: The church ends up sometimes being the caboose rather than the engine on the justice train, doesn't it?
1: (laughs) Exactly, exactly.
0: My guest is Reverend Jane Adams Sparr, a Presbyterian minister who... um, in San Antonio in February 21 2012 uh, had her appeal uh, defeated. Uh, it was The vote was close though 9 to 6. Um, and yeah. this is, You had married uh, uh, same-sex couples in 2008 and this went finally to the the General Assembly um, Permanent ju- Judicial Commission but what was interesting about their ruling was that uh, even those commissioners who ruled against you seemed to be sympathetic with what you were doing. You were censured and yet uh, told to avoid doing this again and yet you were also praised. Uh, certainly a mixed message
1: yeah that was uh, again the dichotomy there uh, because even with the presbytery uh, court they thanked me for my ministry and they they said to the couples we apologize to you and we're so sorry for the harm that has been done and they asked the higher courts please to to you know to to look at this and to, to look at this I think The dissent, too, in in this final case before the General Assembly permanent judicial commission was really clear in the dissent about the hypocrisy of the church is to in one way welcome and then on the other way to chastise, or one way to say thank you so much for your ministry, thank you for your witness, and then to say no. And, you know, these are very healthy, mm-hmm. wonderful, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender people. So the thing is, they just turned to me and looked and went, what? <laughs> you know, how can you say on one hand, welcome, and we're sorry, and all that then do the right thing. You know, it, it's, right. it, it's, it's, it's hard to hear. And yet, like you say, the dissent, I think, really called the Church into looking at what happens with this second-class business.
0: So are you going to stop officiating at weddings for same-gender couples?
1: Well, John, I, again, how can I? You know, when when my call has been into the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender community and to, and to be here. I, I mean, imagine if I didn't take these relationships seriously. I mean... Like I said, I, I've known these couples, and I, and I meet with couples for a year, John. I don't know if you know this. Yes. I do homework with do couples counseling. again. I, I do, too. I do yeah. homework for a year mm-hmm. in which I invite them to really look at their relationship, to really look at where they are, where they are with each other, what is intimacy, what does their sexuality mean, and then ask different questions, you know, uh, about economics and support and financial support and how, how, how can we be helpful, and I think... This year process helps us create uh, married services that are really astounding uh, in which many people who come say uh, what words were used, the vulnerability, what the couples shared so that their families could hear them, could hear their faith, could hear their love, could hear and thanks to their families. You know, it's been such a beautiful thing. And I think um, to hear this no, John tarnishes that in in, in a real way. And again, my concern is about the violence, that it somehow legitimates violence, either against ourselves or uh, certainly it gives people who would want to hurt us license to do that. And that... Is such a grave concern to me.
0: What um, if you, let's say, you officiated another uh, wedding next week? Someone files a complaint. What would happen to you then?
1: Well, I, I don't know. Again, again, in our process, as you know, if someone issues a complaint, then again we would go up the court system uh, because that. And once a complaint is issued, then we go into the judicial system. I guess one of the things, John, that I hope for is, is as I traveled around the United States, one of the things that certainly we learned from our children, and especially as I traveled into colleges and universities, when they asked the question, Janie, how can I have, what but, but, but they would say to me, we don't care what your sexual orientation is. You know, we see your faith, we know that you're a lesbian, and so on. So, Janie, how can I have a healthy relationship in a fractured culture Mm -hmm. now can you imagine john if this is these were the kind of questions we were asking in our church rather than are these people all right are these not all right and so on you know imagine these kind of questions that's the kind of discussion i want to have doesn't matter what your sexual orientation is you know um how can we help people have a healthy relationship in a fractured culture what support systems are there for folks to help them as they grow in their years together? You know, one of these couples, I did uh, they called me on the phone, and, and this is one of the few that I didn't know, and I said, uh, well, you know, I'd like to give homework for a year and I'd like to do this, but I just thought in my head, and I thought, well, i better ask them, how many years have you been together? And they said, oh, Janie, we've been together 24 years. (laughs) And I said, well, I guess I could, you know, look at that. But one of the things that they do, which I really like, um, you know, because I learn as much from them as I do, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they do, they do an annual review, uh, and they meet with a good therapist. And they say, now, what What are our goals for this year? What have we done? What could we do better? And they do an annual review. And they said also they really check in quarterly and see, have we kept to what we said we were going to promise? And I thought, boy, wouldn't every couple... Wouldn't think if we did that, they and who are, cares? you really they're you models, know, what your aren't they? Sure, yeah.
0: sure. They're models for. There are uh, eight states now um, yes. that have uh, now. With uh, by the time this uh, broadcast airs, Maryland will legalize marriage equality, Washington State as well. So, what's your message to those ministers in those states who wish to do their jobs and officiate at same-sex weddings uh, in light of this court case? What? Uh,
1: well, I think one of my one of my concerns is will this make ministers fearful and this is what I this Mm -hmm. is what I say when same gender couples come to you think of what they have done to come to us they have had to work through many of whom I've worked with severe judgment by the church they have had to work through who they are how they love by the time they come to us and they still want us to marry them. I say, please say, thank you so much. We are so sorry for the harm that we have done. Thank you so much for caring enough to come to us. And yes, we will give you all the support and care that you need to have the kind, a faithful, loving, committed relationship you wish. What can we do? How can we help? How can we help you with your family and your friends? Let's look and meet together and create a service that is so loving that really speaks to who you are. That's what I would say. Please do the right and just thing. You know, John, I always wonder, our Founder, our Founder, Jesus, was the one who took on every oppressive system took on everyone. Look how he treated women. Look how he treated people who said that they were diseased. Look how he gave examples of those, in quotes, were, who were the other or the stranger. Um, and right. I say, come on, this is our time to do what is
0: right. Reverend Jane Spar, following in the teachings of Jesus uh, of love regarding uh, as opposed to legality, um, as my guest on religion for life if you're just joining us uh, she has been active um, as, a, as a minister uh, ministering to people's lives and helping to make um, and, and including uh, weddings for same gender couples and she was uh, recently chastised for that at the General Assembly permanent judicial commission but I'm thinking that even though this court case went against you Reverend Spar, this could be the spark that ignites legislative change Um, Does the church really want to punish and perhaps even remove its ministers for doing ministry on behalf of their parishioners and their own conscience? And in a sense, this is the the church's trial, isn't it?
1: Well, and I think, John, you know, who do people think we are? You know, we're their family. Mm -hmm. It's not an us and them, it's us. We're all in this together. And I think, John, one of the things that I think, you know, I will not be bifurcated And this is what I mean. For a long time, John, um, people didn't want me to say I was lesbian. Mm -hmm. Now, in doing these weddings, they don't want me to say that I'm a minister. Do you know? Hmm. I will not be bifurcated. The reason why these couples came to me is because I am a minister, and I am a lesbian, and I live in both of those. You know, it's the wholeness of who I am. And for me to say, well, in one way, well, no, 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 um, no, I'll just do this civilly, it goes against our history. It was Calvin who brought the religious and secular together historically and said marriages must come together with faith communities and the secular. And so this is what I say, what a gift. We're only following the tradition from which we've come.
0: And you've held both of those things together. You've held your ministry to the church and your ministry to gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender people, not giving up either one. How do you, um, and sometimes people might say, well, why even bother with the church after all of this pain? How do you keep your integrity serving a church that can be hostile and certainly discriminatory to its own people?
1: Well, I think, Joan, this is the thing. Some people um, do it from the inside and some people do it from the outside. And I think that's whatever is right for people. I applaud that. You know, for me, I heard something so incredible. Alan Bosak was here, one of the great uh, theologians who was against apartheid, as you In know.
0: South Africa. He mm-hmm.
1: and Bishop Tutu. And this is what Stephen Biko, who was martyred, went to both uh, Bosak and Tutu, and he said this. And less you come and move forward and challenge the church, we will never be seen as full people. We will always be seen morally as less than. And he really challenged them and said, you and I know that unless we are seen as morally equal, this liberation movement will not be complete. And he challenged them with such vigor. And this is what. Uh, I feel, and I met Ellen Bosack, and he said, This is what we must do. We must help the church see us as morally and spiritually equal so that this violence stops. Gary Wilcox, one of our great writers and authors, said, The greatest perpetrator of violence against lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender people is the church. And we must stop it. And that's why I'm still here. We must stop this second class, this lesson. I mean, if you could meet like Lisa and Renna and Sherry and Sarah and David and Jeff and some of these amazing couples, I'm telling you, what I say to people just come and be with me for one day and hear and see these tremendous people. I'm telling you. It would change it would change your attitude. We're talking about family. We're talking right. about how we treat our family. So
0: this is well, religion. You can hear me, John. <laughs> this is Religion for Life if you're just joining us. I'm John Shuck and my guest is Reverend Jane Adams Sparr, who is helping the church uh, really get the message of doing what it was called to do in the first place, of being a place of inclusion and welcome. This broadcast is going to be heard by many people who do not know a minister who is also a lesbian. Can you tell us just a little bit of your story? We have a few minutes.
1: Okay. Um, I'm really grateful to, uh, well, first to God, because I just finally said to God, you know, this is who I am. And I felt this tremendous, tremendous acceptance inside of me. Uh, John, I, I was married to a wonderful man by the name of Jim Spar, And when we studied uh, this uh, in 1978, when the Church was studying this, I met lesbian gay people, uh, Bill Johnson from the United Church of Christ and Ellen Barrett, uh, the first lesbian, uh, with the Episcopal Church. And I listened to their story, and I came home, and I said to Jimmy, and I had so struggled inside myself, and I said to, my, to Jimmy, I said, Jim, I think, well, I know that I'm a lesbian. And you know, John, he had left this book out called Loving Someone Gay around the house, and he just looked at me and said, oh, Janie, he said, I'm so grateful. He said, I've known this for a year. That I've been waiting for you to tell me. Wow. And you know, it was such a relief because, uh, and then we went to the dinner table that night and we said to our two little boys, Jim said, Mom, tell the boys the wonderful thing you've learned about yourself. And I remember I began to cry, and Jimmy said, so I can remember this, they were like eight and six, and so Jimmy said, oh, Mommy, don't cry. You love people, and that's what matters. And my little one looked at me and said, oh, Mommy, this is so great. Let's go tell the church. (laughs) And I remember their daddy saying, Jim looked at them and said, Chetty, he said, the church I don't think will ever be as excited as we are. And I think that's the thing, John, when you realize finally who you are. And for some of us, it takes longer than others. And this is what I knew with Jimmy. I knew in the deepest part of me that I, I was not met mm-hmm. in the God place. And now with my partner, um, who I've been with for many years, I, I know the God place is being met. And for so many people, um, they don't understand that being lesbian, you know, it's part of the wholeness of who we are. And for me... As a person of faith, I needed to be met in the deepest part of me. And so Jimmy and I, out of relief and release, he said, you know, to the boys, everybody will say that Mommy and Daddy aren't together because Mommy's a lesbian. But he said, but it's as much that Daddy is heterosexual. And you won't hear that from people. But he said, I can't meet Mommy. And you've got to hear that, too. So... Jim and Jackie, I did their wedding. This is my former husband. And they're going to be celebrating their 30th anniversary, John, on wow. July 21st. And it's so cute. We met several months ago, and we're doing homework. We're do- I'm doing the homework that we did before um, so that we can say, all right, so what has it been like to be married for 30 years? And what have you learned? So we're actually doing some of the homework that I did with them years ago 30 years ago here we are doing it again and it's been quite an astounding time our family has grown you know jim always said uh well we just got new information and that's what we did so he's very very happy i love the the woman that he married is my was my former financial secretary a dear dear friend i couldn't have been happier and so our family just expanded and uh so well, what that's, a
0: wonderful way to look at it. I mean, it's so healthy in so many ways.
1: Well, it's, it's been such a great gift for us, and uh, Jim and uh, you know have met with many couples going through this to, uh, just to be with them on this journey as they, as they recognize, oh, okay, so this is what this means. Um, so it's, it's been a ministry, too, that, that Jimmy and I have had together.
0: Thank you for sharing your story. What do you What do you do when people pull out the Bible and quote Romans chapter one and and uh, well, just so certain John, that John, the Bible's on their side? And what How do yeah. you deal with well, that John, anymore? Well,
1: John, I, I you know I go over those texts so much with people. Uh-huh. Uh, but one of the things that I've decided lately, I've got very good you know friends who are heterosexual allies, and I keep saying you know this is a heterosexual problem being played out on our lives. And so now what I do is, um, when we're in places and so on, and and again, I go over the Bible and so on, I always grab one of my good allies and say, come on, you do these texts, because sometimes, John, people look at us still as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender people and say, well, you'd say that anyway, do you know? Mm -hmm. So now I bring in my good heterosexual allies and I say, you talk to them about the Bible. And maybe they'll hear you. Maybe hmm. they'll hear you. And many people have stepped in to do that. I'm, I'm really grateful. I'm really grateful for allies that will stand in and say, let me talk to you about the Bible. Janie uh, gets weary of defending herself on all
0: of this. Right.
1: It's been a great time for me.
0: Well, we are just out of time. I'd love to talk with you for hours yet. I want you to know, though, Reverend Jane Adam Sparr that even though I do not have the authority of the General Assembly Permanent Judicial Commission, nevertheless, I make my own ruling that you are a good and faithful servant and an inspiration to many, many people, including me.
1: Well, thank you, John. And you are an inst- inspiration to me. And I'm so thrilled that you're doing this radio program. And I'm I'm very thankful to you that I could...
0: You've been listening to Religion for Life, a program at the intersection of religion, social justice, and public life. I'm John Schuck, the minister of the First Presbyterian Church of Elizabethton, Tennessee. You can find more information about my congregation on its website, fpcelizabethton.org. You can also find out more information about this program and links to podcasts at religionforlife.me. Religion for Life is a co-production of WETS-FM and WETS-HD1, Johnson City, Tennessee, and WEHC-FM, Emory, Virginia. Be well.